was a nice nap. Now, down to business. And we're back. The TARDIS trio has reconvened. Hello to Hello. bring you an all new era with new flashy opening titles. Uh, computer generated computer for the first generated. time. Yes. yes. Not as new an era as we're about to get to. Well, that's yeah, true. true. But it was certainly very jarring when you first watched it in 1987. Yes. Uh, these And also the new um, keyboard synth intro music. Yes, by um, Kef McCulloch. There you go. Or Kef. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, opening up the era of the Seventh Doctor. Before we start, I think we should talk about the regeneration. Or the non-regeneration. The non-regeneration. Uh, and Poor uh, Colin. Yeah, well, it's his choice. In Sylvester McCoy's era, you had a regeneration right at the very beginning, uh, with basically an unconscious Doctor lying on the TARDIS floor after the, the TARDIS was... Um, Battered. Yes. Um <laughs> And gets pulled round, and he's regenerating, and becomes the seventh Doctor. There you go. Yep. But it wasn't Colin Baker back for a cameo. It was, in fact, Sylvester McCoy in a wig. Wig. <laughs> yeah, they asked Colin to come back, and he said he'd come back for more stories, but uh, not for uh, just a cameo like this, which is fair enough. You can totally understand yeah. that. Technically, well, for years, Colin Baker said he never regenerated. Although he has recorded a regeneration story yeah. now for Big Finish. So, so I, I think, yes, he has finally had his proper farewell. And yes. It is, it is a really good story. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Good. That, so that is, that... of course, um, his, what's it called? The Last Adventure. His Last Adventure. Yeah. Yes. But we had to mention that in passing because it is an interesting piece of Doctor Who history and lore. I'll kick us off this time with my favourite from the Sylvester McCoy era. Uh, it is The Happiness Patrol. Which is written by Graeme Curry, and basically the Doctor has heard rumours. The Doctor was with Ace at this time. Ace, <laughs> as he used to shout <laughs> constantly. And the Doctor had heard rumours of a kind of a fascist state on a, a colony planet that uh, was forcing people to be happy. Yeah, Ooh, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, I know. We all deserve to be miserable. Um, and <laughs> But there's nothing worse than someone trying to chew you up against your will. Indeed, yes. So the uh, planet Terra Alpha is where they go to. And sadness is against the law. Uh, basically, there's a dictator there called Helen A. Who, bearing in mind, this was 1988. Was this 8? 1988, this one. She basically was designed to mimic Margaret Thatcher, Maggie Thatcher at the yes. time. Sheila Hancock brilliantly plays Helen A in this. Uh, the entire cast is amazing in this, although there's not a lot of them. The problem with this story is... Well, actually, I'll talk about the main plot first of all. The Doctor goes there, finds out that um, it is against the law to be unhappy. There is this fascist state. It's not very good. He decides to take down the government in a night, which he does, <laughs> with a plum. Uh, there is an amazing, amazing villain called the Candyman in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, at the time... Iconic. <laughs> at the time, there, there's uh, Bassett's Licorice All Sorts. Uh, what do you mean, at the time? Well, at the time, yeah. they had a mascot. I don't think they still have the same mascot. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Bertie, Bertie Bassett. Bertie Bassett, Who's Come made on. up of Licorice All Sorts. Now, basically had this <laughs> character called Candyman, who... Was identical to no, because Bertie Bassett doesn't have spinning hypnotic eyes. Okay, okay, he was like you know an evil Earth three version of um, 
of Bertie Bassett. Uh, how how the BBC were not sued for having yeah. an evil Doctor Who villain uh, looking virtually identical to Bertie Bassett, I do not know to this day. There's no <laughs> such thing as bad publicity. Well, well, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I'll, he was so ridiculous because obviously, you know, candy and sweeties are a thing that makes you happy. So that's part of the. Oh, it's it's all horrible. People were executed. Why? Well. In the eighties, and like children's TV shows, you got into the um, the gunging. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing at the time. Yep. Never understood the appeal myself. And basically, people were executed by gunge in this. There was a if you're unhappy, you were executed. There's a character in this who it seems to be the subtext seems to be he was executed because he was gay. It's not hugely sure, stated. Sure, that means but, he was happy. <laughs> uh, different definition. Um, <laughs> If you don't basically, if you don't fit in with Helene's vision of what the public should be and how they should feel, then you basically get exterminated, as it were, yeah. and taken out of it. So there's a rebellion against it. The Doctor leads it. This whole uh, planet, incidentally, is a uh, one tiny wee studio set uh, and one small sewer studio set. The whole thing is ridiculous, but you'd go with it because it plays the spoons, right? Uh, he plays his bit. Yes. Not in this one, does it? Yeah, he does yeah, play his bits in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that's my abiding memory. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good and it's so ridiculous and it's hard to convey how socially relevant it was at the time. There's a new script editor called Andrew Cartmel, who was reading a lot of 2008 at the time, <laughs> um, and was picking up on all the kind of like social relevance points in science fiction that they they were putting across there. Uh, and mining that and using that as inspiration for a lot of the stories here and focusing on stories that um, were of that ilk because they thought they were popular in the comics. Let's try and have something similar for Doctor Who. We need to reinvigorate it. This is good. Let's try and do something. You know. I think so. Doctor Who's always had a kind of socialist, left-wing, social conscience vibe to it. Oh, yeah. It does come and go. Uh, it does have an effect, yeah. Peaks, but, uh, peaks and troughs, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. in the seventies with the like the Mad Curse of Peladon story with the joining the European Commission and mm-hmm. the minor strike with Monster of Peladon and things like that. So, one of my favourite things is the kind of catchphrase that uh, everyone seemed to say in this show, which was "I'm glad you're happy," <laughs> which the response was "I'm happy you're glad." Uh, it's something that I've repeated from time to time. That reminds me a bit of even today you get a lot of people who make a virtue of being relentlessly positive about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like feeling negative about anything as a as a sort of moral weakness. You know there are certain people you can't you feel you can't make any negative comment in front of because that mm-hmm. will lead to some form of judgment, and that is bloody exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it is exhausting. It's. It, you know, it's it, it's not human to keep up positivity all the time. True. True. There is an amazing scene in this. And again, it's one of my favourite scenes in all of Doctor Who. Which, um, there's a sniper who is going to take people out, funnily enough. And the Doctor confronts him. And it's like, uh, you like doing this, don't you? And uh, he's right in front of him and says, well, you could kill me, but I'm right in front of you. You know, have you ever done that before? You know, it's it's one thing to like be at a distance and shoot people. Okay, you can do it right to my face when I'm talking to you. And, and it's like, look me in the eye. And, you know, the sniper just can't do it. And he just says, throw away your gun. Um, <laughs> that's a bit like, you know, that still has resonance today with all the drone strikes. And, yes, and absolutely. Like that. yeah. It's something that's still... Uh-huh. 
still relevant, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. It's really, it's really powerful. It's really good. It's really well acted as well, actually, and really well written. Because it's thought of as the one with Bertie Bassett in it, people <laughs> tend to dismiss this story, but you really shouldn't because it's such a rich source of... Surely that's a reason to revisit it. <laughs> well, you would think. But um, it is a fantastic story, and I would highly recommend it to everyone. It's not all licorice all sorts. Uh, <laughs> all, there are all sorts in it. However, it is a fantastic story. And also, it's, it's very indicative of the seventh Doctor era, in which you know he hears something, he actually proactively goes somewhere, does something about it, and then that's him. Then he then he beats it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it's done, off skate. That's him. So happiness patrol. It made me happy, even though I wasn't legally obliged to be happy. I'm glad you're happy. I'm happy you're glad. <laughs> right. Who have we got next? Okay. So the story I've chosen is quite different to both of those. It mm-hmm. is Battlefield. Oh. Which I've mostly chosen because it's a great Brig story. Yay! Yay. Got a lot of back. One of the most consistent elements through from the second Doctor's Day. Indeed. He's been a great figure mm-hmm. um, for a large part of Doctor Who's history. We see him in this story initially retired, clearly doing quite well for himself. Yeah, with, he's got a big mansion. He's got a big, big house. Big, big house and a lawn you can land a helicopter on. <laughs> right? Well, haven't we all? With plenty of room to spare. And a nice big dog. We get to meet his wife, presumably the mother of Gemma Redgrave's character in New Who. Yes. Doris. Doris. Doris is his wife. It yes. is Doris, uh-huh. yep. Um, the doctor sounds similarly sceptical. This is Doris. <laughs> Um, but it's actually it's actually a story that's kind of filled with female characters, which is kind of unusual for yeah, that's true. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of Doctor Who's history, you've got Doris, mm-hmm. you've got Ace's girlfriend Chow Young, mm-hmm. you've got Morgane as a classic honourable villain, played wonderfully by Jean Marsh yeah. in her return to Who Doctor Who. Has a rich Who history, uh-huh. yeah, from Sarah Kingdom on. I mean, she's history been... with the Brig. She's obviously, that was she also played Sarah Kingdom in the Dalek's Master Plan. Yep. And Nicholas Courtney was also in Dalek's Master Plan playing Brett Vian. Yeah. Who was indeed her brother. And of yes. course Jean Marsh was married to John Pertwee. Of course. Yeah. Really? I didn't know yes. that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well. Who doesn't feature in this? Although his car Bessie does. Oh. This it's, is all tied in wonderfully. Yes. It's not his car anymore. <laughs> number plate's been changed. Oh, that's everything. right. The number plate's been changed to Who 7 on it, even <laughs> though when, uh, yeah, when John Perry had it, oh, it was right. Who 1. Which doesn't yeah. fit at all. No. Because no, then it would have been Who 3, surely. I know. But it's just, it's, they just hadn't thought it through. They who hadn't done, thought who, it through. Who done it? Who done who it, done indeed. It? <laughs> in other sort of sub-characters, you, from Morgan, you had... Uh, Brigadier Bambera. Yes. Other Brigadier. Shame. Good uh-huh. man, that. <laughs> oh, no, good man. Is she? Is, is, is he? God, I can't yeah. get this right. This Brigadier Bambera. Good, good man, man, is, is he? he? <laughs> yeah, that'll be the one. Yeah. Um, oh, you had the. Uh, who is, in fact, uh, brilliant. The yeah. Polish helicopter pilot. She was great. Yes. I mm-hmm. wasn't sure if she was Polish. I wasn't sure. I think, I think she was she's Polish. Meant to I wasn't sure what her what her um, background was. Supposed Another to be, one but, of the yeah. soldiers is definitely Polish. And, but I, don't know and I, I felt rotten for the helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. She deserved better than she got. Yeah. You also have is it Elizabeth the the, the, the blind, lord's yeah, wife and, and people, yeah, who's, huh? who's blind mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. who's miraculously cured. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's her second appearance as well. 
she has she been in here before? I think she has, but I don't know yeah. offhand. Listener, Google that. Let us know. Let us know. You can contact us on Facebook at Forbidden Planet Glasgow. Uh, we're on Twitter at FP Glasgow or Instagram, also FP Glasgow. So please, please, please let us know if you know, because we are not going to Google it just now. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us at your leisure. And you even get a name check for Liz Shaw. Yes. Because the doctor gives Ace her ID. That's right. To get into unit. The whole thing's kind of steeped in Arthurian legend. And it's, it's really interesting as well because it's also... Well, it's written by Ben Aronovich, who oh, yeah. also mm-hmm. wrote Remembrance of the Daleks. Yes. Which, although it's an incredibly good story, is one that we're not talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> That's the third of that Dalek trilogy. Now, I feel we have short-changed our listener here by not talking about it, but... We're not going to. So yeah, check it out yourself. It's incredibly good, but didn't quite make either of our favourites. It was written by Ben Aronovich, uh, who wrote that, and it had a future history of the Doctor, where the Doctor at some point becomes Merlin. As you do. Yes. And and who else could be Merlin, you know, other than the Doctor? The Doctor has been or could be many, many things. Yes, indeed. Don't put him in a box, man. Well, unless it's one, you know, that uh, travels through time and space. But yeah, it's unusual because usually the theme for the Seventh Doctor seems to be, well, at least after this first season, he turns up in a place and he already knows what's going on and he's planned ahead and it's all formed into his plan. And, and generally, and generally it all goes wrong towards the end of the improvises and everything's fine. That's generally the pattern of the Seventh Doctor adventures. Yeah. But in this one, he turns up and he doesn't know because it's his future self that's done all this. Uh, he soon figures it <laughs> out. He it out, yeah. yeah. And he's very good at that. But uh, it does put him a bit in the back foot, which is really interesting for him mm-hmm. because he is shown as being a bit more, I was going to say a bit more powerful than yeah. the previous doctor. You actually see him use kind of superpowers, as it were, in this in this episode. Yeah. He uses uh, hypnotism just by looking at people and talking to them slowly. Telling them what they want. Yeah. yeah. And then he actually knocks out someone by pushing his finger against their forehead. Mm-hmm. These are not the droids you're looking for. Pretty much he uses the, the Jedi mind trick. That's he, he does use a bit of jiggery-pokery and silver nemesis to, to gain entry to Windsor Castle. He says, you will let us pass. Oh yeah, that's right. He yeah. does the hypnosis thing there. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, of and course. he says, how did you do that? Mm. And he says, easy, just made a spectacle of myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's something that, you know, you do see more hinted at that he is more than just a Time Lord, which was a line that is kind of edited out of Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, in uh, the Seventh Doctor's incarnation. So, or the Doctor's Seventh incarnation, I should say. The Seventh Doctor isn't one I ever think of if you ask me about my favourite Doctors or you ask me about things that made an impression. But when I watch The Seventh Doctor, he is kind of everything I want the Doctor to be. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? Mm-hmm. See, for years he was always my favourite because, after, even though he only had 12 stories, uh, after the show ended, I relentlessly read all the Virgin uh, New Adventures books. And that really, really layered the character, and they were incredibly interesting. He had um, some writers that I'm sure we'll talk about in future episodes who yes. kind of cut their teeth on um, those uh, books, including people like Mark Gatiss, Paul Cornell, Russell T. Davis. Yeah. You know, they they all uh, wrote. Uh, Who's they? Well, you stay tuned. You might find out uh, in future episodes. Um, they all wrote Virgin New Adventure books and fleshed out the character and. They did it brilliantly. So, 
Yeah, he is kind of, for a long time, he was exactly what I thought the Doctor should be. And uh, yeah, was my favourite Doctor out of all of them, even though we only had 12 episodes. Mm. Uh, 12 stories, I should I say. I kind of quite like the idea that they were of the opinion that too much had been revealed about the Doctor's <sighs> setup and where he came from and all that. And tried to bring and back tried, the mystery. Tried to bring back the mystery. I quite like that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But on the other hand, sometimes it's a bit too much. Mm-hmm. It's like he's one of the creators of Gallifrey Society. Is well, it? okay, I'll go into it. Right, very briefly, the idea is that most of Gallifrey Society was created by three Time Lords. Omega. Oh, God, is this going to be about looms? No, it's going to be yeah. about the other. Omega, Rassilon, and the other. The other is this uh, you know, never seen Time Lord. And basically, the genetic material of the other was rewoven to create the first Doctor. In a, in a Gallifreyan loom because uh, Gallifreyans aren't born they are weaved uh, <laughs> genetically that was that was the history then obviously we've now seen kind of time tots that, that, noise, was, that noise was Christine face palming yeah <laughs> uh, it's very interesting and um, is a source of I don't need no looms okay <laughs> <laughs> it makes some more interest I don't know uh, I really like that just from personal point of view that was fun mm. So, yeah, reproduction by weaving is totally what revitalised interest in Doctor Who <laughs> through the David Tennant Rose era. Sure. I, I think that was written in the, the Wilderness Years, that story. Uh, well, it was it was just stuff that was layered through everything. and uh, they kind of built on the whole history. And obviously, you know, bits and pieces of that have been used for future Who mythology, but a lot of it's been discarded since. So, Like looms. Yep. Well, it's to say, maybe that's how they get to uh, the new incarnations, regenerations. No, it's a zappy thing in the sky now. <laughs> maybe it's like that's flames coming out your hands and that. Yeah, yeah. Don't and, you know anything? And, and, and this strange bit of music that happens every time as well. Funny. But that's that's on a future episode. <laughs> so yes, and any more to say on? Well, just I, I think Battlefield's a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. it's a you know it's a real standalone mm-hmm. story, but. Works very well as that. It's a great Briggs story. The Briggs saves the yeah. day in it. Oh, the Briggs has some Briggs fantastic lines in it. Yeah. The day. He has some great one liners, which uh-huh. we won't spoil here. And, oh, come on. And it might be the only time on television you'll ever see a machine gun fired out of a 2CB. Yes. Wow. Oh, that was so good. Uh, and I'm sure fans of The Seventh Doctor will tell you that uh, Sylvester McCoy got to be a real hero. As well. oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. this is incident. the infamous episodes. Yeah, when yeah. they nearly drowned Sophie Aldred. Yeah. Yep, uh, Ace was trapped in a in a glass cabinet that was filling yeah. up with water, yeah. and uh, she was banging it to get out because that's what the uh, that's what they're all called for. Yeah, and yeah. if you're trapped in a glass cabinet filling with water, that's what you do. And it cracked, and Sylvester famously shouted out, Get her out of there! Get her out of there now! Yep. And they just pulled her straight up, yep. and the whole thing smashed, and yeah. it was glass and water and electric cables everywhere. Yes. It was not good, and not literally good. it could have it could have been fatal. Yep. And when people talk about health and safety gone mad, <laughs> these yeah. days, uh, it's there for a reason, folks. Yep, yep. Don't kill you know, your lead actress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. So. And there's a lot of great supporting characters in this story. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. Also, it it is a nice look at the Doctor and Ace's relationship, mm-hmm. which is in very stark contrast to the Doctor and Perry's relationship. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You would have never have heard him say to Perry <clears throat> the kind of things he says to Ace, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yep. Well, there's really interesting bits in it as well. We haven't mentioned the Destroyer, who's the big uh, evil 
destroyer of worlds that appears in it who yeah. looks like something out of Buffy and Angel but like about 10 years before Buffy and Angel the, the makeup's really good the mouth moves really well it just looks great and one of the other great things about this story is how it like uh, John Pertwee's The Demons it incorporates uh, magic and science. Ah, proper old magic, that's Indeed, right. Indeed, which is good yeah. fun. And there's a great scene in which uh, Ace is trying to protect uh, Excalibur with uh, Xiao Young, and um, they draw a, a circle of shock around them to do that. But Morgan starts trying to break that by manipulating them mentally into fighting with each other. And it's only when and they're shouting at each other and arguing, and it's mm. only when... Ace says something racist that she suddenly snaps out of it and thinks, hang mm-hmm. on, what's happening here? I'm being manipulated. It's a lovely yeah. moment, actually. It's really good. It's actually quite subtle because it is very quick. It's like, dum, jarring. It is really short. And they both mm-hmm. snap back. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they quickly forgive each other. Yeah. You know, because they, they know they, exactly they what's hug. happening. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. <laughs> Again, they it. it's, it's almost like a callback to the previous Ben Aronovich story, Remembrance of the Daleks, where Ace is in the boarding house and she sees the sign that says no coloureds oh, yeah, yeah, on it. Yeah. So that's a callback to that. Ace and Chow Young have a great They've got a great dynamic and I wish she'd joined them. Yeah, yeah it would have been nice. Really Even good. just for a story or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. It would have been a good dynamic. Because she was quite up for the adventure, you know. So. But yeah, it's a really strong standout story and uh, one of my favourites as well. So yes, I think that's actually the first one I taped off the telly back in the day. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. When I got my first video, I thought, oh, oh, Doctor Who's on. Oh, Battlefield. <laughs> Yay. Brigadier. Or worse to that effect. <laughs> so, yeah. Battlefield. Good show. So, my choice of Seventh Doctor episode is The Curse of Fenric. Oh, Nicholas Parsons. Nicholas Parsons. A great character. Indeed. Yes. The, the Reverend. Mm-hmm. in that story. One who has lost his faith somewhat yeah. with the, the war on at the time. This is set in the ni- 1940s. Yep, set during World War II. Yeah. It's uh, all about the Enigma coding machine. Yep. Uh, been used to decode evil since before the dawn of time. Uh, yes. Yeah. Jeez, they didn't have enough to do. I know. So, so this is kind of on a story arc with Ace. All harks back to when she joined with the Doctor and how it was all manipulated by Fenric mm-hmm. that Ace managed to create a time storm in her bedroom that sent her into the future. Yes, this utter nonsense story. That, yeah. Because, you know, uh-huh. of course, you know, that's utter, what happens. Utter nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> you, when you try to make explosives, you don't accidentally create a time storm. Yeah. Mm. And this also happens to be... Uh, an interception point where Ace meets her own grandmother. That's right. Although she doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And she ends up saving their lives, basically, and creating her own future. Yeah. It's all rather messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's it's, a famous story for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. And there's also a bit of a manipulative doctor. Very almost. much so in this. Yeah. Very no, much so. Playing the chess, playing mm-hmm. the game with mm-hmm. Fenric and all that. It's really quite a good one. Yeah. Then there's the whole Norse mythology, the Vikings coming across and discovering uh, ancient treasures. And... Yeah, actually, that's a theme in the Seventh Doctor era because you've got that in this one. You've got the gods of Ragnarok in uh, the Galaxy and obviously you've got Arthurian, Arthurian legends as I just mentioned in Battlefield. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of that in the Seventh Doctor era. Mm-hmm. He's eclectic. He is indeed, yeah. Yeah. 
as any good doctor should be. Indeed. Yeah. When, like when, the, the best GPs. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite bits of this story is when the Hemovores are attacking the church mm-hmm. and the daughter needs to come out of the church to escape from the church, rather. And in order to repel the Hemovores, he has to have faith in something mm-hmm. to, to keep them back. And what people might not realise is is he's whispering the names of his companions. Oh, okay. Ian, yes. Barbara, Susan. There you go. All in order. I've seen Susan's yep. third. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. Because if you're going to go chronological, Susan should be first. Yes. Yeah. If you're going to go in order of best ones, Barbara should be first. Is Absolutely. that what you're going to say? Okay, Absolutely. There we are. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting study. Basically, it's all about faith, that yeah. whole story, which is really interesting. And uh, Ace's faith in the Doctor. Ace's faith in the Doctor, which she has to break. Yeah. We've also got that scene which Ace, who kind of was mostly portrayed as... So like upstart teenager where yeah. she has that scene where she kind of has to fuck with the soldier to try and distract him and it seems like a much more mature version of yeah uh, of Ace than we'd seen and a totally different point. outfit as well yeah uh-huh. not, not the usual bomber jacket and yeah it's just in the 1940s gear uh-huh. yeah so but yeah it's a very strong story usually one of the top ranked stories from you know the 7th Doctor era yeah certainly one of my favourites so any more to say on the Curse of Fenric no nope. love the manipulator Indeed, yes. Well, not yeah. for much longer. That was the second last story. Damn you, BBC. After that, uh, Ronan Monroe came in and did survival, and then there was no more. Yeah. Um, the ironically titled. Yes, the ironically titled Survival, the final episode in the original series of Doctor Who. Uh, however, it does continue, as shall we. We will be back with the Eighth Doctor. And maybe something a bit extra. So listen out next time, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Timing malfunction. The master. He's out there. He's out there. Scalpel. I've got to stop. Somehow I don't think this man's name is Mr. Smith.